This is Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? It's Sunday. Time for a new podcast. And today we have the Duchess with us. Hello. We're going to be reading. You know, I just, it fascinates me how all the different experiences that she's had in prison have altered her in some way or another and would alter anyone in some way or another if they were impacted by certain experiences in prison and spending 23 years in prison there's so much that she has to share and we were talking about I want to share the story real quick about an inmate uh, Felicia and this is a story that Veronica shared with me and it just moved my heart I was just left you're so, thinking and looking at her, thinking you're just such an amazing human being. Can you share that story with us? Wow, I wasn't prepared for that, but yes, I will. I have the sister me script in my lap. I was going to talk about Tony, who's another sister that um, died in in Adsake's cell beside where I lived. But this is about Felicia. Felicia was a sister, and um, which means black for those of you that don't know. When I say sister or brother, that's a reference to black, period. But to me, they're brother or sister. So um, this is about Felicia. And Felicia, there at the time, this was during the 1980s in Washington State. And we're living in Adsake, uh, which is administrative segregation, where they would put people that they thought were problematic. So for Felicia, for me, it was because I was, they thought, a problem for administration because I published uh, a lot about what was going on inside, like rapes by guards and so forth and so on. And I was uh, a member of the National Lawyers Guild and a registered jailhouse lawyer. So I filed suits and so forth. Anyway, getting back to Felicia, I'm living in the hole because of my political activism. She's in the hole because of her mental issues, emotional issues. They had no place at the time. Your mental wards, they were obsolete. The budgets did not afford that luxury. So Felicia was beside me, and unfortunately she was a large-sized woman, and the prison did not have pajamas or anything for a woman of that size. So... There was another sister who was a guard. Her name was Florida. And um, Florida told me, she said, there's no clothes for Felicia. And all she has is a sheet to wrap around her. And I was horrified. So I knew it was illegal. But I talked to Patty, who was one of the guards there. And I told her, oh, I need a new pajama set. Can you take me back to the um, to the room where they have all of the pajamas and she said yeah yeah I will she was very nice and so I'm with a uh, I've got the chains on me so I've got a chain around my waist handcuffs on so to try to steal anything from that pajama room or the room where they keep uniforms and so forth was pretty hard to do but let me tell you what I did so there are the pajamas and I know Felicia had nothing so I'm talking to Patty and distracting her, saying, oh, can you get those up way up there? In the interim, I unzip the front of my 
men's uniform. It's an orange jumpsuit they would give you that zipped up and down. To go to the bathroom, you have to literally unzip it. The men guards would walk by you and see you through this little, um, if you look at my art, you'll see it's like a four by six window. And they would look at and see you naked sitting on a toilet. So, you know, just some of the fun for the guards. And believe me, they enjoyed the taunting of us and so forth. So here I am with Patty and I'm in the pajama uniform room and unzip my front while she's reaching on the other side of the room to get something else for me. I slip two pairs of pajamas in my uniform while I have handcuffs on and a waist chain, zip up the uniform. She doesn't notice. She escorts me back to my cell. She has to pat me down first. She has to um, pat me down. Once she pats me down, and of course she was very polite. She didn't touch my breast. So she didn't feel, because it's like, I'm like at that point, 105 pounds, 5'7". I'm anorexic. Uh, well, you couldn't help but be anorexic, I think, in the circumstances when you have worms in your food and bull weevils. But anyway, that's another story. Um, so she pats me down. She doesn't detect the extra pajamas or anything. And um, then I go into my cell, and they have a little door. It's an iron door that's at your waist where you put your hands out, and that's where she'll undo the waist chain and undo the handcuffs. So once she did that, the pajamas slipped down to my crotch because it's a big, baggy, extra-large man's jumpsuit, right? So um, she leaves. She doesn't notice, which is awesome. So now I have time alone, but it's only in 15-minute increments because the guards, by law, have to check on you every 15 minutes. So they have that window, and they literally do walks. That's why they catch you going to the bathroom. They catch you um, undressing. They catch you masturbating if you do that, whatever. It's total non-privacy. So meanwhile, I'm a thief, right? I've got these two extra set of pajamas, not for me, but for Felicia. What am I going to do with them? Well, in my mind, I thought, okay, I tear them with my teeth because I have no scissors. And out of the clear blue, right before this had happened, probably a week before, I'm walking and I've got the waist chains and the handcuffs and I swear to you, it was a gift from God, but there was about a third of a needle, a third of a needle. All it had was the needle eye and then it had, you know, no tip, just a broken off tip. And by the grace of God, I'm just barefoot and I'm wearing my prison yellow or orange um, shower shoes and I slip off my shoe really quick and I grab that needle with my little toes and I was able to put it back into my slipper and got back into my cell and honest to God, I had a needle. <laughs> I mean, it was just a tip. I didn't know what I was gonna use it for, but oh, by taking those two pajamas, it all, it all made sense. So, Every 15 minutes, I have to be aware. If they catch me doing this, it's more time in isolation. I've already served more time than any prisoner in the history of Washington State at that point. Three winners back to back, and it was a nightmare in there, I can tell you. Uh, the freezing cold. Anyway, so here I am with this broken off needle. I have no thread, and 
two flannel pajamas, and I've got Felicia beside me freezing with nothing. So I use my teeth, and I tear these two sets of pajamas, and with one, I strip the back. And with that one back, taking off the arms and the collar, I insert it into the other, broken in half, you know, I using my teeth, I took the other full set, and I stripped it with my teeth, and I ripped it in half, so now I can put this big insert of the other set of pajamas into the original pajamas that I cut in half, more or less. Then I used, we had, um, it. this is was so wonderful, they had just issued cotton um, blankets, and before we had these wool ones that were just, I mean, they were the worst, the cheapest, they shrunk. They just shredded all over the place. You breathed in the wool. It was a nightmare. But we got these actual cotton, white, um, very flimsy blankets. But I could literally take one of those threads and carefully strip it from the blanket and make a thread. So with those threads, making sure the cops couldn't see me, I would sew, and it took me probably three days of sewing in those 15-minute increments, not sleeping much, and uh, I finally did it. I made large bottoms for her pajamas and a large top by using the extra set, so it was twice the size of the largest that they had, and Florida was on, and she was a sister too. So I had made it, and I wasn't sure if she'd break the rules, because she never would break the rules. And I said, Florida, I made something for Felicia because she has no pajamas. And I'm whispering because they have monitors, they have uh, cameras, and they have recording devices. So if you talk, they can pick it up. So I had to be very surreptitious. And I told Florida, I said, Florida, I made some pajamas for Felicia. Can you give them to her? And she was paranoid. She's looking all over, you know. It's like, God, can anyone pick this up? So um, she nodded, and I slipped her the two, you know, the pajamas that were two sets that are now one extra large, extra, extra large. And then she opened up Felicia's flap, and she gave them to Felicia without saying a word, and then locked up her flap. After she locked up mine, she locked up Felicia's flap after she gave them to her. The next thing I heard was Felicia laughing hysterically and dancing all over her cell. You could hear her, ah, ha, 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 ha. she's singing in just rapture. Well, naturally, she put on the pajamas. And, and that's the story, um, one of the stories that I have of Felicia. And she gave me... Uh, she, I love that story. She made a uh, little necklace for me. She showed it to me the other day. <laughs> I saved it all these yeah, years. Yeah, it's got a little crucifix on it with some beads. It's Add really a string, yeah. Yeah, yeah, made out, made in jail, prison, so. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, But very, it's one very, of my keepsakes. That... Very, very lovely. Well, anyway, so that's that story. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So I'm going to read a small excerpt of Sister Me. And this is um, kind of interspersed, so you're not going to get it 
the way from page one to page because it's right now all out of order. So this is page 361 of Sister Me. In life there are relationships and each relationship becomes a vine. It becomes, life becomes a vine of many. But accepting that is not the road to peace. Peace is inconstant in my life. Where today there's hardship, tomorrow there will be reprieve. To wallow in one's own misfortune is short-sighted. How can we prepare for the opportunities which permit change if we are too consumed in our own misery? To bring about the change, we must have our own wits and powers to our set and powers in order and we must remain in command. We must neither fall prey to our self-pity nor shut ourselves off from the real impact of our situation. The years have delivered me much hardship, but also the chance for growth. It would have been all too easy to drown the plant of life in tears or wither my soul with denial of the situation. Growth is kind, but we have to water the plant. My two sisters on either side of my cell are caught in a maze of the soul. They talk and scream and kick the steel door, the concrete walls, endlessly going over internal conversations that never resolve their conflicts of incest and abuse. They hear nothing from without. They've been in isolation too long and they've lost their minds. They try to furnish their whole world from within. Tunnel vision, closed end. Karenness is on one side, soapboxing lunatic shouts of white boy, M-A-L-E, and brown-eyed white girl. Felicia on my other side is going off unexpectedly without provocation into an operatic scream of hysterical laughter. Sometimes both of them interact gibberish and profanity. Sue is carrying on with her racial slurs and nobody has seen these people since 45. Nobody knows they moved with Motown. I say give them what they want. They have a right to do anything they want to me. After all, there's a locked door between us. Farms and families and kids, someone has to accept the fact that the colored-eyed white people are killing off the brown eyes. They come with swords and muskets. They have the power. They are white. W-H-I-T-E. Capitalized. Tell the cunt to shut up. My universal consideration is to kill off all the white people, which would make me what? Criminally insane. Yes, criminally insane. I hear it go on and on. I had to apologize to the fucking judge. I apologize for stabbing the white girl. Look at anything with blue, gray, blue, green, blue, watery colored eyes and they are to be killed. No, this is not racism. It's survival. Humans used to come only in brown skin, not black brown. Suddenly she breaks off to listen to some invisible guest, presumably an imagined guard, as she says in answer to this ghost. I'd rather kill her and take my hour out. Yes, kill her. I want to smoke. Karen is Indian and white. Either she has chosen not to respond to others in the world around her or is mostly unable to hear our voices over her minds projected in her dialogues. 
Dementia of this kind is like a pathetic old jingle which lingers obtrusively in the mind's ear. The cords stretch beneath the generally useless phrasing like a pesky backage beneath a tight sweater and winter coat. It's silly to go to so much trouble and contortion to satisfy this call of the flesh which will vanish instantly away. Still, we can't resist scratching, calling forth the old jingle to play it across the tongue in sync with the chords surrounding in that inner ear only we hear. We have to make a move to stop the itch. Prison isn't a place for moves. It's meant to immobilize us. So the scratch goes on and the frantic scratching of the tongue, scratching what can't be reached. That's what raving is to these women. Talia is usually more lucid, but subject to some kind of bouts of madness, often anger. She knows regular periods of sanity when she can feel her mental skin all right. Karen S. and Felicia, however, presently lost the chords which provoked them to sing an obscure jingle of their own life's making. This is how I live, 24 hours a day living surrounded by these women. I try to somehow bring poetic overtones to a very disturbing reality. I knew Talia before she was this way. Six years ago, when we were doing time together, Karen S. was also intelligent, articulate, and lucid years ago. So here am I. Here they are. When is my number up? When do I find my mental collapse? How many years? It's the nature of these isolation block cells to breed mental and emotional weightiness that one either develops psychological power lifting techniques or one's back breaks. Eventual recover from a breakdown is never certain and even when it apparently happens, it is tenuous at best. It's curious that the president prison administration doesn't seem to notice that they drive people mad by solitary confinement. But then perhaps that's to be expected. After they've done that, then they punish them more by further solitary confinement. When that's complete, they stamp the prisoner as processed. Seems one of my partners in the escape is out on bond. Two bonds, really. One federal and the other one from Washington State. So though the courts thought he was trustworthy enough to let at liberty, and though the escape was allegedly only possible because of his actions, WCCW offers the excuse that I should be kept in the hole, apparently because they imagine he may rush up here again to try to get me out. So though they already have punished me for the escape twice, actually, and they assign me to the maximum security before sending me to Pierce County, I sit here now waiting to see what they will decide next to do to me, in isolation, as usual. The options are A, transfer to another state institution, long-term confinement in intensive management, the whole, or C, removal and return to maximum security. The reasoning for my placement here is, to put it charitably vague, I try to believe it's merely bureaucratic stupidity, but in my weaker moments I give in to the rational belief that they just want to punish me some more, perhaps to encourage me to stop getting into their business and filing lawsuits on other inmates' behalf.
and against the institution by their breaking the laws of the state. You know, the old show of force mentality. I've managed all right so far, the years, the attacks of claustrophobia. They've been short, but copable. The madness of my neighbors is unnerving and destroys my sleep patterns. But again, I will handle this nightmare in stereo. 11-22-1988. Talia went off again this morning. Well, in fact, she's been screaming and raving obscenities in her bouts of hysterical anger for days, kicking and beating her steel door and the steel window frame. She's bruised her arm. This morning, the nurse who came by took a Polaroid of it. While I was on my hour out in another concrete box and shower, Talia complained about the radio's volume being too low. They pressurize the volume at their own benefit, whatever they decide to promote that particular hour. Each cell has a steel speaker affixed to the wall, so it's piped in whether you want it or not. The guards merely responded to her complaint by turning the radio off completely. I guess they think this sort of thing will teach us to keep our mouths shut and be uncomplaining. Ha! This set Talia's already poor disposition off. Far from shutting up, she voiced her outrage and in return lost her opportunity for her mandatory hour out. Hours are, hour outs are supposed to be court mandated, right? Ha 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 ha. Not here. When a guard went to her cell door to check on her, they conduct 15 minute hall checks and log our actions on a clipboard fastened outside our cell doors. Talia started hitting the glass fixed in the door flap. She managed to produce a clinking sound, though actually it's safety glass and held in the frame. Listen to that, you motherfuckers. You go tell that fat bastard supervisor I have glass. You tell him I want to slit his throat from ear to ear, and I will go tell him I have glass. Listen, clink, clink, clink. The guard said a few words and left the area. Five minutes later, the video camera was here with the goon squad. Men dressed all in black, faces covered. Ah, uh, gas. For use of force, a camera is supposed to be used to record what was done. Talia resisted and, in fact, got violent, hitting her little fists, according to Terry, who's housed across from her and could see what went on, against 250-pound men. They eventually took her up to the clinic, once they had cuffed and chained her, bleeding, where, of course, a cavity probe was conducted. Cavity probe is where they search inside the body cavities, vaginally and anally, with a camera holding the person down. It was an ugly scene, but one which I've seen before and endured many times. Later, Talia persisted in her tirade, and again the goon squad came and put her in another cell. They then shook her down the previous cell she had once been in. There was nothing there. We live, in, we live in the isolation unit where you can't get anything, nothing. Well, I do manage to break that rule. Just insanity, of course. Only Talia's is counted. What a day. I have to wonder whether Talia might not really be basically normal, but having had to adapt 
to the barbaric depravities of the isolation block has acquired this remarkably defiant expression. She's been back here over a year with me with no lasting normal company. I suspect if given a chance in general population, she would do just fine. What do these people expect from a person living under eye block, isolation block pressures anyway? October 24th, 1985, Thanksgiving. Sitting in my isolation cell, with the lunatic ramblings on either side, crackling like the fireworks at Disneyland, 4th of July, I find that I have much to be thankful for. I'm mostly at peace with myself and inwardly content, for the most part, with the riches of my life. Good friends, I'm surrounded by much love and hope is at the summit. Only my body is in this cold, aching, isolation, concrete cell, this box. My life is held in the comforts lacking of human warmth. Heated by good faith, though, enterprise and compassion, I must always have the wisdom and courage to defend these three agents from despair. And that's the excerpt for today. Great. Thank I you. really appreciate you being here sharing these stories because they allow me to look at the world from a different perspective. And these are perspectives that I normally would not look at. Good. So thank you. And it's part of being a human being. Yes. So when we're left in dire situations and all we have is each other to count on, you've been through the worst of it and you've been able to build relationships and help people and people help you along the way. Absolutely. And it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Although it's a horrible thing to have yes. to be in prison. But you really learn the value of compassion and humanity because you're stripped of all Not everybody does, distractions. but you did. Yes, I did. To a to a very heightened level. So I've been jailhouse told. lawyer. Yeah. Publisher. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I would like to think that my life in there um, wasn't wasted, and I don't believe it was. Not at all. Thank you. Not at all. And just, if you guys haven't picked up the book, Eating the Ashes, um, we're not making any profit from this book, but it's available on Amazon. And all profits that, um, all proceeds from it, I've donated to the Battered Women and Children of King County that are in Washington State. So they're the ones that will get uh, monetary support from the authors. So if you want to know portion. more in depth, you want to know about the statistics or the the reality between rehabilitating male prisoners versus rehabilitating female prisoners, it's definitely highlighted in the book along with other stories that I feel connect just like these sister me stories and I love sister me and I would love to someday see sister me become a motion picture. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, um, if you guys haven't watched our YouTube channel videos, I have been stretching canvas and I'm getting better at it. So definitely look out for a YouTube video coming out this coming week. I keep painting. <laughs> she keeps painting, and we have this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to bring it out and show you guys. We have this huge roll, not huge, but this big roll of canvas, 
and we can pretty much cut to Whatever our own desire. Yeah. So it's six feet tall about, almost. And um, it's, when I bought the roll, I think we bought 50 feet or so. And I've been cutting it and cutting it. Um, I could do And that's that's walls, about 100 bucks right yeah. there, easy. Yeah, it's pre-primed. So um, anyway, yeah, I constantly paint. I use wood that I find in trash, all that. Because it's still valuable to me. I can use that wood to paint on. And wood is a fantastic surface. One of these days, I'm going to have to take you guys on a tour of our home. Because our home looks like a museum. Well, thank you. Yeah. We've got all kinds of art in here. We've got um, a small collection of other artists, Hispanic artists. And lots of their newspapers that were revolutionary, that are 100 years old, and pretty cool stuff. And we will be revealing all of this stuff to you guys via our videos. Um, especially here when when um, you come to our Patreon site. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Museum Americana. You'll be able to see our videos in pretty much stay on top of everything that we have going on as Museum of Americana, which Museum of Americana sponsors this podcast, Jack's Corner. Yes, and I'd also like to add um, Eden Page and her work. She's finishing up right now. She thinks she has eight more months. She's constantly working on the film She the Creator, which was based on a Juliet Wallace, story. Eden Page, Veronica's daughter. Eden Page is, yeah, that's her pseudonym. It's her middle names. Um, but she worked on a film for the last two and a half years, two years. Now she hopes to be completing it within about eight months. Actually, it's been closer to three years she's worked on this. Based on a short story I wrote. Whatever possessed her, I have no idea, but she loved the storyline. And um, you'll hear more about that. Uh, like I say, she's in post-production right now. So thank you. Well... That's pretty much all we have for you guys today. I really appreciate you guys coming back. And if you want to become a patron of Museum Americana, make sure you visit us on Patreon. And don't forget, we have an Instagram, Museum Americana. We have a Twitter, Museum Americana. We have our Facebook. And, of course, we have our YouTube and our Patreon page. I want to thank you guys for coming back, and we will see you. Yes, and at some point I'm going to tell you why I'm called the Duchess. We will probably talk about this on our next podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Love and peace. All right. Bye.